welcome to the Film Geezers Podcast. Hello and welcome once again to the Film Geezers Podcast. I'm Rob, I'm here as always with Cheeto. Hello. And in today's episode we're going to discuss somewhat of <coughs> our favourite plot twists in films. So I've got to warn you there are going to be some spoilers, so be aware so we might as well just get straight into it. Yeah. So, our first film is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's the 2019, uh, directed by Quentin Tarantino. <clears throat> and the plot is um, two guys, Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, he was an ageing star from TV Westerns. And his stunt double, Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt. They live out their <coughs> bromance in the Manson-era 60s. Um, great film, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, One of our favourite Tarantinos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the twist is because it's it's kind of like I guess it's um, it's based it's fictional but there's there's fact factual elements yeah. in it because Rick lives next door to Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, um, and it includes like the Manson family as well. So the Manson family <coughs> they are, they're planning on obviously killing Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, but for some reason they target Rick instead. So they storm his Hollywood Hills mansion where Cliff, high on acid, is there to welcome them. And then there's a brutal brawl. It's quite brutal, isn't it? Yeah. Involving a pit bull as well. <laughs> <laughs> and the fury of a th- <laughs> flamethrower, which I think is probably one of the great uh, closing scenes. Yeah. Um, and revisionist history rewrites Sharon Tate's fate. She doesn't die. The Manson killers do. And this is the thing. Um, while I was watching it, because... Um, it's it's a decent long decently long film, just under three hours I believe. Um while you're watching it, there's obviously some stuff you know that's made up, but there's also you see some stuff and you're like, Oh that actually happened and I was like halfway through the film I was just thinking how is Tantino gonna deal with the with the Shantate murders? Because it's it's almost kind of like um building up to that, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And you're yeah. like, Oh no, like it's something bad gonna happen to her but then uh how the scene is they pull up and he acts like the car's going to go to Shantae's house but no they, they end up taking a right to Rick, detour to Rick's yeah. house don't they and um, I think this is the, the reason why this is one that's I, I believe that is the pod, uh, that's the plot to us isn't it that, yeah. that they actually show up at Rick's door instead mm-hmm. of Shantae's but yeah. I think that that scene is, is one of Tarantino's best and it just is full on Tarantino yeah you know, like like you think of the most Tarantino scene. Think of like Kill Bill with the fight scene there. It's just that, um, and yeah, it's just a, all like you said. It's all out gory yeah. brawl, <clears throat> and it's it's really funny as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, because don't know, the, the film has very comedic aspects to it, but it's kind of it was never we never saw fight scenes or or violence to that degree in yeah. this film, and it just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, uh, but it's like what you expect from Tarantino, isn't it? Well, it's like Cliff Cliff Booth, which is Brad Pitt's character, has a run-in with the Manson family. Yeah, at the uh, it's the Span because he, he, ranch, p- he picks it? up he picks up one of them, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, takes takes them back to the ranch where they're living at, and then he has a run-in with one of the guys because there. Because it, it turns out um, they're living in one of his old sets in yeah, the, the Western yeah. set, yeah. That he, and he knew the guy there, yeah. and they weren't too happy that he was yeah. he was like kind of on their turf. So uh, that's the he kind of insulted them as well yeah. and he beat one of them up and that's the reason why they they go yeah. after um, Rick but yeah it's just 
trying to explain that last scene is this um, Cliff Sauce is, is he an ex-marine he's, he's definitely yeah, a, he's, he's, um, he's definitely a ex-military isn't uh, he veteran isn't he yeah. yeah and he's trained his dog to go for the nuts yeah. <laughs> but yeah no because <clears throat> I don't know about you but at, at the time of that scene I got my heart racing because I was like, "Oh no, Cliff can't die! Like, mm. you can't kill Brad Pitt." Yeah, because I thought because obviously he's, he's one of the guys, one of the Manson family's holding a gun to him, and they, yeah. there's three of them. And there's just two women, and there's a, a bloke holding a gun, and yeah, he just he all especially because he's got that. Um, previously he gets a, a cigarette off of um, a hippie, isn't it, or something? Yeah, and it's. It's dipped in acid, isn't it? Yeah. And you're like, oh, so he's under the influence, and this is not going to end well. But then, obviously, like you, we said previously, his 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 pit bull is trained, yeah. and he goes for this geezer's bollocks, and just it's carnage and it's mayhem. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't know where to look, and it's just like they're just getting absolutely battered, aren't they? Um, I believe Cliff, he, uh. Someone, some lady runs at him with a knife, mm-hmm. and he like disarms her, and he yeah. throws her into the wall. She has like her face is caved in and, and whatnot, and then obviously um, she gets set on fire. She she runs. At- well, she runs. She ends up in the pool, doesn't she? Yeah. And then you just see the garage door open, and there's Leonardo DiCaprio with a flamethrower, <laughs> which is the, the best. Because <laughs> uh, <yeah>, <laughs> obviously the flamethrower comes from um, one early, of his films. Yeah, early in the earlier yeah. in the film. I believe it's in like the first half hour. He's sitting with Al Pacino, which is this a- this agent, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> goes through a compilation of all of uh, Rick's films because basically he it this whole film was set during the dying years of uh, the golden age of well, Hollywood. His sort of career is a, sort of a pastiche on Clint Eastwood and Steve McQueen. Yeah. He starts off on this TV western. Um, and then he feels like obviously he's trapped in that, and then he goes off to make like spaghetti westerns. Yeah. And then I think he's there's there's a scene where they've um, they've added him into the Great Escape as <laughs> Hilts. So yeah, so it, it that's the kind of factual fiction kind of mm. as well, which but, I think is pretty good. While he's speaking to Al Pacino, he, um, it's like a little compilation of all the films he's been in, and in one of them he's uh, an ally in in World War Two. And he's got a flamethrower and he's just in Tarantino fashion he's just flamethrowing these these Germans and then yeah at the end it's just because um, it's the thing while this is going on Rick's in his swimming pool outside and he's, he's got his headphones on and he's yeah. listening to the radio and uh, he doesn't he doesn't know what the hell is going on this lady uh, she's basically blinded because she gets bitten down below as well, don't she? She's got blood dripping. Yeah, her eyes blood dripping down her see. eyes and whatnot. Yeah. And she runs in the pool. Rick's like, "What the hell is this?" And he goes, "You, you see him go away." And you're like, "Where?" You can see this this lady struggling, can't you? And you're like, "Where's Rick gone?" And then just the garage. I believe the garage door opens. It's just him coming out with a flamethrower. And yeah, it's just the most Tarantino ending, but it's absolutely brilliant. And it's obviously the twist is that Rick, they go to Rick's house. But also, I think a twist could be. It, the t- the tone is completely flipped on his head. Yeah. Like the whole tone of the movie, it's uh, like I said, there's there's nothing, no themes of that last ending scene in the movie at all, and it just it just gets flipped on his head and it, it goes a hundred mile an hour, and it's yeah. just the perfect way 
at least in our opinion, the perfect way to finish off yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And that's why it's such a memorable ending, isn't it? Because it it's, is, yeah. it's just the most... Tar- if you're a fan of Tarantino and you've not watched this, watch this film. I've seen a lot of people not hate on it, but not necessarily like it. But if you can understand where Tarantino's come from, it's an absolute... Uh, brilliant film and you'll love it because this ending is just batshit mm. crazy in it so yeah no, I read recently that he's he's planning on a sequel to Kill Bill is he oh, yeah? I think it might be a prequel because he's gonna have Uma Thurman's daughter in it oh wow and that's gonna be his what he said his 10th and final, oh, wow. final film so I love the Kill Bill films maybe I don't know it's just I think it's rumoured at the mm. moment so we're Tantino fanboys <laughs> aren't we really but yeah. no it's a brilliant yeah. twist and brilliant film as well right. so okay that's great um, next film um, you you probably haven't seen this it's no I've never seen it so you're going to have to take that <clears throat> I'll skip through it quickly because you it's called Identity and it's a 2003 film directed by James Mangold and the plot is that um, when a, a vicious storm breaks out in the Nevada desert, 10 people seek refuge in an isolated motel. They quickly learn that there's a homicidal killer among them as they're getting knocked off one by one. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's like a storm, 10 people hide out, you know, because obviously roads are blocked and things, yeah. and they go stay in this motel, <clears throat> and then one by one each of them is, is being killed off. Now, the twist to this is that the... Murderer is a little boy. Yeah. Which is explained as we learn that each of the ten people um, are manifestations of a man who suffers from extreme case of dis- disassociative identity disorder. So he's got multiple personalities. Oh, yeah, and this yeah. is all happening in, in his head. And what's what's happening is he's having um, he's having therapy to get rid of. And as each personality leaves, that's when they die. Which I thought wow. is, is a pretty good concept. That's quite concept. smart, yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, so I thought, yeah, it was a pretty good concept for a film. Um, like I said, it's, it's one I've not even heard of, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. Was, do you know, is there any real um, yeah, this, uh, big actors in it? Uh, um, yeah, there's um, John Cusack, um, Alfred Molina, um, and John C. McGinley mm. there. Yeah, they're big, really so, big actors, yeah. Yeah, it's, I think it's one of those films that really doesn't get talked about Yeah, so I must admit, I've um, never even heard of it before. I've not but seen it, I think, on TV um, recently either. I have to do a wish of such for that then, <laughs> well, yeah. that sounds quite interesting. It's worth giving it a look, yeah. anyway. I mean, there's, there's been lots of films like that where things have been happening in people's heads and that's kind of the twist mm. and stuff, but I just thought it was, a, it was a really good idea for a film. I can appreciate, like, really um, original ideas, so uh, yeah. check that one out. Okay, so I'll move on to the next one, which is Gone Girl, which is 2014, directed by David Finch. Now, he's got quite a few films on this list, yeah, uh, because he seems to be the master of the plot. Yeah. <laughs> so the plot is, um stars Ben Affleck, and so uh, when he's... Uh, as Nick, so when his seemingly perfect wife Amy goes missing, philandering Nick becomes a prime suspect. Um, and so the twist is that after learning that Nick cheated on her, Amy meticulously planned her disappearance to make it look like Nick killed her. Later, when she decides to return home to Nick after seducing and murdering her old ex-boyfriend to make it look like he kidnapped her, she gets artificially inseminated with Nick's semen to ensure he stays with her. 
Now, this is really quite a messed up film. Yeah, it's just depressing, um, isn't it? Because it starts off normally, you know, it's mm. like, you know, they seem like this perfect couple, happily married, and then it gets to kind of like the, the middle, and she goes, he comes home, and she's not there. Well, what I like is, is he, he does set it up to be just another... Um, family member gone missing yeah. film or whatnot, you know, and he, the husband has to go out and search for her, but it's so much more than that because, like, when he's the, obviously the main suspect, uh, you can see how much it, it affects him and then it, all the blame gets put on him and gradually you see his character change, don't you? Yeah, because then, because um, obviously he finds her diary later yeah. and realises that she's been planning, meticulously planning this for, for a while. Um even to the point of the actual crime scene, because the, when the police come in, they say, "Well, thing, you know, there's signs of a struggle, but it looks like it's been staged." Yeah. Um, and she's even actually she she actually cuts herself so she can bleed, and then she cleans it up yeah. so that the forensics will find this blood that's been cleaned, cleaned up. up. Yeah. Um, and things like putting putting money on a uh, buying lots of things on a credit card. Um, because it's late revealed, isn't it? That yeah. she hid them in a garage, didn't she? Hid, she hid them in his in his sister's shed for the police to find. Because, um, but that was no, his... it wasn't. Was his, it was his dad's house, wasn't it? That yeah. was empty, um, and that was part of it because it, it gave him a reason or her to actually kill her because yeah. you know this all the stuff arguments he wanted, you know. over the those things, um, and yeah, because it's really, and then she goes off. Um, she hooks up with this old boyfriend and he hides her out at his house and then he goes on TV and appeals, doesn't he? And she has a change of heart. He does an advert. He does a, a, an interview on TV, yeah, doesn't course, he? Yeah. And she has a change of heart and decides to come back. So she kills her ex-boyfriend. Because, because um, uh, basically what happens is that... Uh, Nick gets a top lawyer, doesn't he? Yeah. And she can actually see that uh, people are starting to believe Nick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. first, everyone, everyone, of course, there's a mourning period. Um, there's a scene where obviously uh, uh, Amy's um, like not a funeral, but it's almost like a gathering, isn't it? You yeah. know, basically a funeral. And uh, after that, everyone's against Nick. Um, even, even I think Fincher even tries to make you against Nick almost yeah. because he adds in a cheating scene, doesn't he? <clears throat> um, yeah. And then while this is going on, he flashes back to when they first meet and whatnot, and up, the the points leading up to that, they show huge, this huge fight, yeah. and he shows Nick as this really bad guy, and then uh, when Amy sees, because obviously she's she's watching on TV and stuff, when Amy sees that. That uh, Nick is coming out and saying all this stuff. Um, she sees that she's fighting a losing battle, so she kills her original plan. She just dumps it. She kills um, her ex-boyfriend, which is Neil Patrick Harris, yeah. isn't it? Um, and in a real brutal way. Because he was uh, he was um, he was obsessed with her, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, and he uh, and it's actually during oh, sex, isn't it? Yeah, he, he, he cuts his throat, slits the blood everywhere, and it's um, really brutal. And then she sets up the scene, makes it look like. She was a kidnapped That's victim. That's right, because she, the reason why she wanted him to have sex is so they can see her vaginal cavity, that, yeah. and she plays it like she'd been raped, yeah. and she comes back covered in blood, she yeah. covers herself well, in blood. But there was there was one um, there was one female police officer didn't 
Billy. There. Yeah, no, she was and on Nick's she's side. Trying to question her in the hospital, and there and the rest of them are trying to just get her out of the way. Mm. Um, and they go back to this kind of because he doesn't trust her anymore. No, Nick, now he hates her. Yeah. yeah, he actually calls her. See you next Tuesday and as well. She's like, well, you know, maybe we should have a baby. That might change things. Yeah, because um, I think what happened is he did he have a vasectomy and then he had some sperm frozen. Yeah, he did. And she went and accessed that. He saw it's been destroyed. She accessed it and she's so another baby. So, yeah. so she's but, basically pregnant. <clears throat> uh, at, the, at the end of the movie, all the scenes in which they fight and stuff, that way Nick looks like an absolute dick, actually turns out that he didn't do anything. No. Doesn't it? And yeah. so Nick's actually, like, he's not a good guy necessarily because he cheated, but he's, he didn't beat her. He didn't do any of this, yeah. this shit that Amy said or it was portrayed earlier because it was portrayed from Amy's point of view that she wrote in her diary, wasn't it? Um, yeah. There's a scene where Nick... Uh, Nick was being really abusive to her and it turned out that he didn't do anything at all um, and yeah it's, it's really sad it's really sad ending because uh, there's this TV personality and she's totally on Amy's side and she's like interviewing saying how great it, Nick you must feel so happy that Amy's back and all this stuff and Nick has to basically lie because he doesn't want to seem like a dick because people believe that Amy believe Amy at this point and you know Nick will get public backlash for this so he has to basically stay with her so it's really really depressing film from, mm. from Nick's point of view but it's a, it's a brilliant plot twist and I'll tell you what it's if, if you want to be just depressed for 20 uh, for two hours then watch this film but it really is like a I was trying to the, the way I describe this film is, is it literally has you on edge the whole film doesn't it because you're yeah. like it, it swaps you go back and forth you're like oh Nick's a, Nick is in the wrong name like oh no actually it's Amy you know so it's a brilliant film and, and yeah it's just one of those films where it's just heartbreaking really you know like for Nick and stuff but it's a brilliant film and once again it, it shows the acting ability uh, directing ability that uh, David Fincher has in it so yeah like I say he's he's got probably another three or four <laughs> films on this list yeah, yeah. Okay, so the next one is The Departed, 2006, directed by Martin Scorsese. The plot is that Billy Costigan goes undercover within the Irish mob to implicate sadistic boss Frank Costello. Meanwhile, Staff Sergeant Colin Sullivan, who's a dirty cop, secretly doing Costello's bidding, tries to hunt out the rat. And this is a remake of a Hong Kong Mm. film called Internal Affairs. And apparently... When Scott says he made it, he didn't realise it was a remake. Oh, really? That's what he says, anyway, oh. so I don't know. So, anyway, the the twist in this is that um, Sullivan, his partner Brown, determines Costigan's identity, shoots him in the head in a blinking or miss it sequence. After Costigan's funeral, Sullivan returns to his own apartment where Costigan's handler, Staff Sergeant Sean Dignam, played by Mark Wahlberg, yeah. is waiting to kill him. So... Yeah, I mean, it's this. It's again. It's a really good film. This idea it's that brilliant, yeah. um, you've got Jack Nicholson as well. He's yeah, he's the, great in it. He? The, the mob boss and Costigan, who I think gets rejected by the Boston police force, yeah. um, he's given this undercover um, job. And then you've got uh, Sullivan, who is he's kind of been groomed his whole life yeah. for this, this he's kind of like he's kind of like yeah. the son of Frank isn't he you know? yeah and Frank's encouraged him to go to the police academy and, and be, become a cop and then obviously they can exploit that then um, yeah I, I really it's, it's a brilliant film and, and film, yeah. um, 
it's the only way I can describe the plot is it's like it's a couple plot twists in one, you know, because yeah. there's there's the scene obviously where uh, Sullivan uh, he's been caught by Costin. Costin's known about it for a while, but he he can't make his move until the right point, and he he's, he reveals who he is, uh, reveals that he's actually part of the the, the PD. Because they set up a whole task force, don't they? Yeah, they to do. Try to 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 find out who this this rat is. Yeah, but he reveals that he is he's part of the of the Boston PD, and then as he's detained him, it's on top of this building, isn't it? They're going down the elevator, and as soon literally the second the door the elevator door opens, uh, he just gets shot in the head, and it and it and it's um obviously Brown, who's uh, uh Sullivan's uh, partner. And Sullivan's in, in disbelief because he's like, "What the hell just happened?" You know, and I think um, Brown gets killed by another uh, rat in the in the police department, and then so, it's so weird. Sullivan then kills him to mm-hmm. clear up anything, and then it's all it's all good for Sullivan. He's cleared up everything. He goes to Goskin's funeral, and then he goes home, <laughs> and then Sean's there waiting for him because it's Sean's figured it out because he never likes Sullivan this whole film no, does he no, he, he always suspects yeah. of him you know and then Sullivan's just there he's covered in in like um almost like coveralls he's got like his um hands uh, gloved up and, and whatnot obviously in like a, a CSI gear just to cover any tracks and yeah he just shoots him in the head and it, it literally the movie ends like that with all of our main characters just dead yeah but it's it's almost like I said. You you you'd think maybe the film would end after Costigan dies because you're like, oh no, but it's one of those ones where where the bad guys win win essentially. Yeah. Because obviously, um, Frank dies, doesn't he? Yeah. And to be fair, even when Frank dies, you're like, okay, that's the film done. But no, it just Scorsese just adds in these moments of madness because it is it's once again it's like a, it's it's a moment of madness because so many characters die in such a short amount of time like um Koskin dies then Brown dies yeah. then uh, another one of the uh, rats in the PD dies and it's just it's mental isn't it you know you can't really process it all and then obviously Sullivan goes home he, he thinks he's in the clear he can just continue his life is as a, as a um, in the Boston PD, and then he ends up dying. Yeah. It's just it's a brilliant film, and and I, I think it's it's one of Scorsese's best, really. So I think it won Best Picture. It did, and it is is the only it's the only film that's ever been adapted from a, a foreign film to win yeah, best, picture. best Picture. And it, I believe is it Scorsese's only it's his only Best Picture win, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a brilliant film, and and if you haven't watched it, certainly watch it. Okay, so moving on. Uh, next film is the 1941 uh, Citizen Kane, directed by, written by, starring Orson Welles. Um, now, you say you haven't seen this since school, well, since hey, year nine. In media studies, <laughs> I did it when I was about 14, yeah. and I've not seen it since, so you have to take the reins so on I'll this be, one. I'll be quick with this. So the plot. So the film opens with newspaper magnate Charles Foster Kane on his deathbed where his last word is Rosebud. And if you remember, he dies. Yeah. He's got this snow globe which he drops and it rolls down. Right down the stairs, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And so this inspires a journalist to chronicle the enigmatic life of the mogul, uncovering his ruthless quest for power and fortune. So he then sort of, he's 
on this quest to find out what Rosebud actually means. What is it? Is it some person or whatever? So he basically chronicles his life um, to become this really powerful uh, newspaper magnet. And it turns out that in the end, Rosebud is the name of Kane's childhood sled. Well, he had as a boy, which is kind of a bit of a anticlimax. Yeah, it's way. random, isn't it? Um, yeah. But what it proves is the tycoon, he had a touch of sentimentality as well, after all. So the last thing he was thinking about on his deathbed was his, his childhood toy mm. and probably thinking about maybe when he was at his happiest in his childhood. So, yeah, it's. Um, I'm not sure if that is a plot twist. I don't know. I, th- I think it is, bit. yeah. And you know, people always appreciate us talking about this, but yeah, I think I think it is a plot yeah. twist because it it's more a plot twist, not necessarily the story, but it's more about someone's character, yeah, which is somewhat different, isn't it? Yeah. You know, but because in the, in in the film, he starts off um, quite well-meaning, um, but then he becomes bitter and twisted, and in the end, he, he you know he's not a very nice person, no. you know. He's quite ruthless, and he's you know just trying to build his power and fortune, and then he just proves that there is some something you know sentiment within him and as it's well. T- it's a great so, way to end the movie as well, wasn't yeah, it? You know, but yeah. so yeah, so um, I mean, it's often cited as one of the best movies ever yeah. ever made. Uh, Wells never ever really achieved the same level with any of his I, other I believe, films. Wasn't wasn't that his um. It was over his writing or directing debut. Yeah, it was. And yeah. obviously yeah. won Best Actor, Best well, Director and Best Writing as well. Yeah. The the writing is contested because... I know, because it's... Um, <laughs> there was a guy called Herman Mankiewicz, Mank- who yeah, Mankiewicz. was supposedly um, contracted to write the screenplay, uh, but he wasn't going to receive any credit for it. But then he changed his mind. Um, and there was a court case, um, and they ruled in his favour. So they had to share the writing, mm. um, and because he won an Oscar for it as well, yeah. they had to share the <laughs> the Oscar. And I think that that ruined their friendship. And they yeah. never spoke to each other again. There's actually um, a doc. I watched a, a film on Netflix about it, um, starring Gary Oldman as, yeah. as it's called Mank. Um, and it's worth a look if you're interested in Citizen Kane and the story around the making of it and things but yeah no like I said it's, it's one of the best movies of all time and yeah def- it's if you're a film fan it's, it's yeah. you've you've got to really watch it in it you know yeah so moving on to one of my favourites mm. um, Planet of the Apes 1968 directed by Franklin J. Schaffner I think most people know the plot now yeah. that You've got three astronauts crash land on an unknown planet after travelling at light speed for 2,000 plus years. In this new land, non-human primates, gorillas, orangutans and chimpanzees rule the world while humans are considered second-class citizens. So it's kind of a world that is upside down. Um, they think that they're on another planet because obviously the main the main um, astronaut is uh, Taylor, uh, Taylor, played by Chad Heston. Mm. Um the other two astronauts, one's one dies, and one's given a lobotomy. Because there's a famous scene where um, they land in the desert. Mm. So they land in the water. Uh, the female crew member actually died in like hypersleep. They make it ashore. It's like desert. They manage to find 
as they're going, they, they see more and more signs of life, and then they come to this sort of uh, uh, forest, um, and there's a there's a pool, the waterfall, and they're swimming in that. And while they're swimming, some of the humans come and steal all their clothes, and then they they make it up to this field, and that's when the gorillas come in on horseback, oh, yeah. and that's the big reveal: is these gorillas riding riding horses. What was their original plan? How do you mean? Like, um, trying to like crash land on this yeah. planet. What was their what what, what was their well, original they mission? To, they were trying to prove this hypothesis that um, to do with time travel, that if you travel away at the speed of light, that because um, they were like, like I said, they set off in in 1972, and they were they travelled to nearly think 3,000 years in the future. Yeah. So they were trying to prove this this hypothesis true, um, which they did. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. Yeah, and so basically, um, the, the gorillas come capture the humans. Um, like I say, one of one of it, the astronauts is killed at that point. One's severely injured. I think receives head injuries. Is operated on by a chimpanzee <laughs> and lobotomized. So you've got Taylor, who is um, throat is injured, so he can't speak. Mm. Um, and then later on in the in the, the film is the famous you know get your filthy paws off me you damn dirty ape you know <laughs> and, um, so he you know he's um, one of the chimpanzees they found uh, evidence of a civilization a human civilization that predates the the ape one and they set off to try and prove that humans were there first yeah um, but then what happens is right at the end of the film um, Taylor's allowed to go off into the forbidden zone on his own uh, it's not on his own with his, he's got a mate Nova and they're riding famous scene they're riding along the shore on horseback they come round this corner and they see this half sunken Statue of Liberty partially melted and he and it, the big twist is that he's been on earth the whole time this is earth now 3000 years in the future there's obviously been some kind of um, you know nuclear war or something yeah. you know post post-apocalyptic um and that's kind of i don't know somehow you know the the apes have have become dominant they can talk where the where the humans have regressed yeah um what was um taylor's words well here we go <laughs> <clears throat> this is four years at rada <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, I'm back, I'm home, all the time. It was, we finally really did it. You maniacs, you blew it up. God damn you, God damn you all the hell. That's better than, better than Hester now. <laughs> Oscar winner Sean Hester. <laughs> but yeah, it just, it is, yeah. I mean, we covered, we covered this in our last um, podcast, which was the greatest ever movie endings. Well, it is, and, um, and once again, it's, and we we talked about the the sort of political and social message that Planet yeah. of the Apes has got. So I'll we'll go over that again. Um, but yeah, I think uh, just focus on the plot. Part. Yeah, it is. You, you look at any list, and it's always because it's one you truly don't see. No, and they're the, they're the best ones, aren't they? And yeah. I remember when I first saw it, you just, just jaw drops, don't you? Yeah, like, you oh, you can't believe yeah. it. Exactly. Even though I, I I I first watched this when I was younger, and I just I, even then I couldn't believe it because you just it truly comes out of left field doesn't it you know yeah. and some thought's been put into it and then the best ones are like oh of course like like 
the whole world looks like Earth, doesn't it? Of yeah. course they're on Earth, you know. Um, yeah. And like you said, a lot of the plot is a lot of the plot twists is that the mission actually works, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, they they went to space, but they crash landed back on Earth, yeah. which was the, the plot twist. So their mission did work, didn't it? It yeah. was successful, but yeah, definitely one of the best of all time, isn't it? Mm, I think so. Anyway, and you, you got talking monkeys. What more do you want? <laughs> Right, moving on. This is one of your favourites. Mm. Psycho, 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Excuse me. We all kind of know the plot. Marion Crane is murdered um, at a desolate motel by the mentally ill mother of his shifty owner, Norman Bates. So there's kind of a couple of twists, I think, in this one, is the fact that Marion Crane, you know, she steals $40,000 from her uh, company. She takes off. She decides to spend the night at this motel and she picks one that's kind of out of the way. And even Norman says himself, since they built the freeway, they their business is really slow. No. Um, then sort of halfway through the film, um, Marion Crane, played by Janet Lee, is killed, which is, mm. again, which is initially is a, a twist, isn't it? Because it's the first time really that we've seen the, the sort of main protagonist killed off yeah. in the middle of a, a film but the, obviously the, the big plot twist is the end when we find out that Bates actually murdered his mother years before then he developed a split personality that made him believe he is his mother and he, mar- he murdered Marion disguised as his mother and the, the bit at the end that we, we find at the end is when uh, Marion's sister who goes looking for her she comes into the house. Well, you explain it because this is your your film. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, um, Lila. She at this point, um, Lila and Sam Loomis, uh, who is uh, Marion's um, other half, they go investigate because they knew something's going on at the, at the motel. Arbogast, the investigator, uh, he's he's gone missing, and they're like, "Something's definitely up with this." So they go to the motel. They book a room. And uh, I believe Sam sees someone in the window, or Lila might have seen someone in the window, and she's like, "That I bet that's the mother. I'm gonna go talk to her." So Sam distracts um, Bates while Lila goes up into the house looking for the mother, and she she goes upstairs and she sees that where the mother was, like the, her um, where her room is there's like drapes over it and stuff like no one's lived there for many years and there's like like in the on the bed there's a shape of like someone's just been um slept there or not even slept there just on the bed for many many years and uh she goes downstairs and she sees Norman obviously Norman is no summer's up he knocks out Sam I believe with a vase or something and she sees Norman running up the stairs uh and initially, she she actually hides that down this other stair stairway, but then she sees it leads to a basement. She goes into the basement, and there's, she's met with another door. She opens the door, and uh, she sees Mrs. Bates in the actual in like it's like the, almost some um, cooler room, and she's obviously facing away from her, and she she goes to Mrs. Bates, obviously going to ask her questions, what's going on, and she taps on the shoulder, and the chair. Gradually spins around, and it's revi- and it's revealed that uh, Mrs. Bates is actually a corpse, and she's been dead for for many a year. Um, 
and all you hear is, he, is these footsteps behind her, behind Lila, and it comes and it's revealed that the person who killed Marion is in fact Norman because he's wearing his mother's clothes, he's got a wig on, he's got a knife in his hand, and luckily Sam comes in and um, takes him down. But yeah, it's just once again it's another one where you, admittedly, right, it's, it's this film is slightly dated. You can't blame it because it's 1960. But for the most part, Hitchcock does a brilliant job of hiding hiding the fact that his mother is dead because um, Norman can speak in a very feminine voice. So he speaks to himself. Um, he speaks as himself and he speaks obviously to his mother, but it's obviously him the whole time. But when he speaks as a mother, like I said, he's got a very, very feminine voice. So you can, you can up to that point, you just think it's his mother. And obviously uh, there's scenes where Norman's in the motel and like Arbogast he sees there's a woman in the uh, in, in the Bates house because basically the Bates house is on this hill behind the motel obviously that's um, the the corpse but he makes it uh, look like it's just a woman you know um, but yeah he does a brilliant job of hiding it and it's really it's quite a shocking reveal isn't it just to see that she is a corpse this yeah. whole time because literally you could, you could believe that she was alive and well, you know, because just the just the fact when Norman, it's like he's having a full conversation, obviously with himself, but it's with between him and his mother in his own mind. But he does a brilliant job of hiding, uh, hiding the fact, and it just is so memorable and it's so iconic, and it's it's not done, it's not been done better than that, really. Yeah. It? No, so yeah, I and mean, it's it's obviously it's influenced a lot of um, directors yeah. as well. Um, the fact that uh, the character of Dr. Loomis is named after Sam Loomis. Yeah, Sam Loomis, yeah. Dr. Loomis from Halloween. Um, yeah, and it's, it's it, again, it's, it's something I don't think we, we'd seen before. No. Um, this kind of... Because um, it, it dealt with things like mental illness yeah. and uh, the idea of this kind of split personality as well. Because it's quite of a creepy scene at the end, isn't he? Where, uh, where Norman's being committed. Oh, the swat of fly scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I wouldn't hurt a fly. He just has this creepy <laughs> grin on his face, yeah. you know. But yeah, I didn't think about that. That's mm. a very good point about the mental health. Obviously, back then, yeah, anyone mental health, they just they'll, they'll just put him into an asylum or something, you know. Well, I think the idea that you know, sort of these um, sort of people who were. Uh, Killers, um, they they thought that they were sort of mad axe murderers. Yeah, not they couldn't sort of, they couldn't um, kind of operate normally, and then have a split sort of so, and then change, and then you know it really does showcase that, doesn't yeah, it? You know, it does. But you know, iconic film and iconic ending, and perfect ending in my opinion. Okay, so great. Uh, next one is Chinatown. 1974, directed by Roman Polanski. So, uh, the plot is the wife of a prominent bureaucrat hires a private investigator who's played by Jack Nicholson, um, and he plays JJ Gitties, or Jake, um, to follow her husband, whom she suspects of infidelity. Along the way, the PI uncovers murder plots, corruption, and the young girl, Evelyn's sister. So, Evelyn is the uh, played by Faye Dunaway, and she's the one who hires Jack Nicholson's character to uh, basically, follow her husband because she thinks he's having an affair. Um, 
and the, the plot twist at the end is that um, Evelyn actually reveals that her sister is also her daughter and Evelyn was in an incestuous relationship with her father played by John Houston and that was kind of a quite a big plot twist wasn't it I yeah think, oh yeah in the end um and the idea that i don't know whether whether that had been um covered before i just think that sort of this idea of incest and yeah it's just a, you know yeah. i mean you you sort of hear about um where sort of young girls have have a baby sort of and they're not married which was a big you know sort of a, a sh- brought shame to family mm. and and where the parents will bring the child up um, as their own, and and you know, but you don't really hear about the incestuous relationship <laughs> like that. Um, well, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a good film, I it think. Is, yeah, um, and it's it's a good twist at the end. I think. I think it's just one of those ones you're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, because you know I mean? probably up to that point, uh, like things were like. Um, incestuous relationships had probably hadn't been highlighted no, in that big of like, so, no. media, you know, yeah. in, a, in an actual film, you know. And you're just thinking, what? You, obviously, people knew it happened, like behind private doors, but to just to see it, see it play out on yeah. screen, you're just like, what the hell? And how does someone come up with that? You know? yeah. But yeah, it's it's, it's certainly a memorable ending, yeah. isn't it? You know, certainly a memorable plot, plot twist. But brilliant film, and if you haven't seen it, then yeah. yeah. Very, very stylized, very similar. Well, it's set in the it's set in nineteen thirty seven, yeah. And it's all around sort of the water rights in in Los Angeles and the sort of political and and power kind of struggles mm. for that. And then in the midst of all that, you've got this this kind of uh, yeah this this twist to the plot, really. And to, to have John Houston there playing, <laughs> playing the father as well. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so. Mm. Move on. The next one is Usual Suspects, which is a 1995 film directed by Brian Singer. So the plot is five criminals plot against the police after being called in for a crime they didn't commit, but begin to uncover a larger plot stemming from legendary criminal Kaiser Soze. The job for Soze goes wrong, and only Roger Verbal Kint survives. He attempts to explain to the police what happened, so they let him leave. So, um, yeah, basically what what, what happens is all these these five guys are pulled in to, to do um because they are kind of the usual suspects yeah. they've they've been um suspected of committing some crime um and you've got verbal kin who's played by uh kevin spacey he's taken into a room and he's interrogated and he uh spins his story about uh kaiser sose and this this crime that they were going to that they were going to um, commit, um, but the twist is after after he's released, they realise that he's actually Soze, yeah. which is pretty good because uh, the detective played by Chas Palminteri, I, I think I pronounced that right. Pulled that one out, didn't yeah. You? Oh. yeah. Um, when um, when Kint leaves, he's looking around the room and he sees. All the story, all the sort of the names that he's used and everything, the references, they're all things that are in the office. You know, there's posters on the wall, there's things on the desk, and he and he he sees that he's made up the story on the spot using mm. things from around his office. And then what what happens is you see right at the end is uh, Kent walks with like a limp, 
with a, he's got like an interned foot and you see him walking and then eventually he straightens up yeah and then he gets into this limo <laughs> and drives <laughs> off so that you realize that he's actually um this this Soze character and it is it is a, a pretty good cuz he he all throughout the film he's kind of this harmless um guy everybody because he's kind of disabled everybody treats him differently treats him as weak but it turns out that it's completely wrong well, I, it, I actually believe um scary movie officer doofy yeah was like based on him because really? obviously he's he's mentally disabled yeah. but then it at the end it turns out that he's the murderer yeah, yeah, yeah. he takes off his moustache he gets in a <laughs> he gets in a nice car and drives off yeah similar similar plot to mm. us yeah but i thought yeah it's, it's a really good film um and it's yeah it's the twist is that the story is completely made up uh, and the guy telling the story is actually the guy who he's talking about yeah so Fave. Yeah. Oh, i like is the realization as well yeah. you know like the gradual realization yeah you know, looking around seeing that he's yeah. used aspects from around the room you know yeah but yeah, it's a really good film okay yeah mm. so it's worth a watch yeah 100 percent. moving on we've got a second david fincher <laughs> film <laughs> seven uh from 1995 um detect uh the plot is two detectives somerset played by morgan freeman and mills played by brad pitt search for a serial killer obsessed with the seven deadly sins so yeah the um somerset's retiring and Brad Pitt is, Mills is his replacement, and he's got like a week to hand over. And then suddenly, this the this uh, the murder happens, um, and it's gluttony, isn't it? The first yeah. one, um, and Somerset realizes that this is a serial killer, and he doesn't feel that uh, that Mills is experienced enough, or doesn't want him to have this case as his first one. Right? Yeah. So he agrees to stay on, doesn't he, and, and help him. And then they find... Um, I mean, these, these murders have been carefully planned and meticulously carried out over... this one that I think he's, he's kept this guy alive for over a year. Yeah. Um, and then it, it gets up to five, doesn't it? Mm. Um, and then this guy comes into the police station, hands again, Kevin Spacey, hands himself in as the murderer um and they call him john he calls himself john doe because there's he's there's nothing he's, he doesn't exist uh, he's as far a john as doe, the system he? Ex, you know um he cuts his finger fingerprints off yeah. doesn't he so as far as they're concerned he he doesn't exist um and so he offers to lead the detectives to the final two bodies that complete the seven cardinal sins when they arrive at a location in the middle of the desert, Somerset receives a box from a deliveryman. Inside is a head of Mills' wife. Doe admits he murdered her out of envy, which is the sixth sin, and challenges Mills to murder him, making wrath the seventh and final sin. So it's quite clever. It um, is, yeah. Mills' wife played by... Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, I just couldn't think... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that... Um, yeah, you got this really clever plot by John Doe that you know envy. He's he envies Mills and his wife. Um, he said it multiple times. Yeah. He's like, I, I envy you, David, yeah. doesn't he? You know. So that's the six, and then the seventh is that Mills is going to kill him. Yeah. Which, which yeah, um, 
Somerset, you know, is trying to plead with him not to, he, not to kill him. Because William actually says, doesn't he? he's like, yeah. David, if you kill him, he's one. Yeah. Doesn't he? Because that's what he wants to happen. But he kills him in the Ultimately, end. Ultimately, yeah. yeah. You get the, the what's in the bags, don't yeah. you? you know, yeah. he, what's in the bags? William doesn't, uh, <laughs> William doesn't tell David. No. Does he? No, he he's doesn't. Like, no, you don't, you don't want to know and stuff. What's and then, in the bags? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then, you know, you can see the... How it's affected him, the, the, the oh god, oh god, and then that's when William says, yeah. If you kill him, he's won. And then David's just trying to hold back and he just can't, yeah. And he just comes up to him, shoots him point black, and shoots him a couple more times. But the reason why this film, in my opinion, is, is probably the best um, thriller of all time, in my opinion. I absolutely love this film, it's because it's once again, it's a very common theme with all these, but it's so left field because yeah. you know, uh. John Doe, he, it, the film sets it up like he's gonna he's gonna tell them where the last two bodies are. Or the good thing as well is you don't know anything about him. No, he's just this guy who turns up, walking off the street. You don't know what motivated him. You don't know why he's doing this. You don't know how he's targeted the people that he's killing. Yeah, it's just yeah, you're just presented with this guy. And you don't see John Doe for the whole movie, do you? No, you, you don't, don't see it. Well, you, you see him once, but he's in disguise. Isn't yeah, it? no, I mean, as well, you, you don't see his identity. Yeah, you, do you don't you, see you him know? as that sort of now. But yeah, it's just so so left field, and, and um, you can see the um, uh, the parcel delivery van car, up and you're like, what's going on? Yeah, you know, I thought I thought John Doe was going to tell Mills and Somerset where the bodies are, you know, or, or tell them information, and then you know, you see Somerset open open the box. You just see the the horror on his face. Yeah. He steps back and then he he runs over to Mills. Then he's like, "Mills, put your gun down." He doesn't yeah. explain it. He's like, "Mills, put your gun down." And you're like, "What's going on?" You know, what is in in the box? And then obviously we get that Mills obviously crossing the box and yeah, it's just absolutely it, it's so, uh, with the um the uh, theme in the background. It's mm. it's like a heartbeat and it's just so. It does get your heart rate because yeah. you don't know what's going on you're just as confused as Mills yeah and yeah it's just a brilliant brilliant ending and it's just really a sad one because yeah. in the end John Doe does win doesn't he yeah he gets what he wants he does, yeah and that's what I, I believe we, we we often are fans of films where they don't get, they don't service you do they they don't give you the yeah. satisfying Happy ending, ending you know? or, yeah the, the ending that you want it's so yeah. much more effective with well, this ending you yeah. know but brilliant film if you haven't watched it I don't know where you've been but <laughs> watch it and once again it just shows us how great David Fincher is at these plot twists and obviously this leading into the next yeah. one which is another Fincher film <laughs> which is the game um, 1997 um, so the plot of this traumatised from witnessing his father's suicide financier Nicholas Van Orton played by Michael Douglas throws himself into his work alienating himself from his wife and brother Conrad uh, played by Sean Penn I believe yeah. So for his 48th birthday, Conrad gifts Nicholas a ticket for a game that he promises will change Nicholas's life. The game leads Nicholas on a mind-bending journey through his life. As he loses his fortune, he begins to fear the game and the company that runs it, Consumer and Recreational Services. Cornered on a roof by CRS employees, Nicholas accidentally kills his brother and then horrified he leaps to his death. Now the plot twist to this, which is I thought was pretty good, Yeah. Is the game is actually nothing more than that a game? Conrad and Nicholas are both alive. Conrad orchestrated the entire thing to prevent Nicholas from ending up like his father. So and it's brilliant. It's like because um, you think like the game it's got out of hand yeah. and it's now real and uh, this all everything that could possibly go wrong in his life goes wrong. And like I say to the point where 
he accidentally kills his brother. Yeah. And then he decides to end it all. And then he re- then he finds out that this is all part of the game, and that everything <laughs> that's happened is is part of the game. Once again, you don't see it coming. No, do you? you don't. No. You just think it's another um, one of those David Fincher films where it's just. I mean, it doesn't end in tragedy, but you just. Yeah, it's just so left field, and and this is the like I said, this is a very common thing with these films. But yeah. that's the best plot twist. You totally don't see them coming, <clears> do you? No. So and um, yeah, that's just um, brilliant left field kind of uh, twist. I believe I think he writes his own movies as well, doesn't yeah, he? I think he does. Yeah. So yeah, it's just you, some of the, some of the Fincher films. You just think, how does someone come up with this? You know, <laughs> and how does someone? Because that's one of the hardest things to try and. Yeah. Um, plot twist and actually make yeah. it effective you know yeah. Um, but yeah no brilliant film and if you haven't watched it certainly watch it isn't it yeah. you know so quickly moving on uh, the next one The Sixth Sense which is a 1999 film directed by M. Night Shyamalan so the plot is after a home invasion where shot by a patient Dr. Malcolm Crow, played by Bruce Willis he's a child psychologist he returns to work by attempting to help a young boy uh, Cole played by Haley Joel Osmond Osmond um, <laughs> who sees dead people so um, all throughout the film it's kind of there's little clues just it's little like, like the door the door scene isn't it yeah. where he grabs the um, door handle there's little nuggets that kind you're kind of thinking well that's kind of odd mm. and it's not only till the end when you really find out what, what the twist is that it all, it all makes sense and the twist is that actually Dr. Crow is, is actually dead it's the famous line um I see dead people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a brilliant film um, because the, the first thing is that he just turns up in his kid's living room, sitting yeah. on the couch, and all those although the kids' mums around, they have no interaction with each other. No. They don't actually talk to each other, and so that's kind of the first little kind of red flag. But then throughout the film, um, they realize that maybe Cole's gift is to bring um because what's what's said in the film is that dead people only see what they want to see um and that a lot of the dead people that he is seeing uh, are not at peace or at rest and that maybe his role is to try and bring peace to them so they can move on because like they, they um they visit this little girl um they go to this little girl's funeral and then they go to the house afterwards and he finds this um videotape or she's she's telling him where it is he gets this videotape and it shows that um the mother was actually poisoning her and she was responsible yeah. for her death and then so she actually saves the 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 sister the little girl's sister so he's he's helped them to you know get closure and her to move on um but yes yeah, so these so these little little red flags it's like um dr crow he, he goes to, he he's walking past a restaurant and his wife's there and he's, he's he thinks he's late isn't it and he sits down with her yeah and she's completely ignoring him and you think that's because she's pissed yeah. at being late. But it's not, it's because he's dead and she can't see him. Once again, I think these is, there's these, like you said, little nuggets. And it, yeah. kind of, it's, it's almost like building up a portfolio. Yeah. And then at the end of the film, only then can you be like, oh, that, yeah. exactly, that makes sense now. Because you know? um, his wife's in bed and she's watching their wedding video. Mm. And she's got his, his 
wedding ring and she says something like oh why did he have to leave where did he have to go and then he lifts up his shirt and he sees the bullet hole and that and that's when he realizes that he's he's actually dead yeah and so yeah it's it's a it's, it's a really good film um i think that was um Shyamalan's first it was film and probably his best actually yeah. there's a couple of films where he's <laughs> it's similar to Shyamalan you know there's going to be a plot twist yeah. so it's kind of not that that surprising anymore yeah. but this, when he gets this is it's obviously it's his first <laughs> debut and this is probably the most effective plot twist as well yeah. which makes it in turn makes yeah. it his best film but I mean it's not like Signs which Signs was a good film mm. but it's about aliens coming to Earth and they can be defeated by water. Yeah. And it's the fact they, they come to a planet, like, you know, two-thirds, far three-quarters full of water. Like, <laughs> it's like, and I think he just kind of phoned that in, didn't he? Yeah. Right yeah, I think a couple of films he tries to hard, yeah. but... So our next one, again, one of your favourites, mm. another Fincher film, <laughs> 1999's Fight Club. Now, I've got to admit, embarrassingly, I've not seen this. It is on my list to mm. watch. Um, Hold your pitchforks up, you know. <laughs> so the plot is an unnamed narrator and his new friend Tyler Durden, played by Brad Pitt, begin a fight club. So I think Pitt must be one of like Finch's favourite yeah, actors. They, they've worked together, quite together a lot. lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ed Norton's in this as well. Um, so they begin a fight club. And what's the first rule of fight club? Don't talk about fight club. You just did. Oh my god! <laughs> um, and it turns into a national movement. So, do you want to say this since this is one of your favourites? Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, Ed Norton is is this guy who basically hates the world. Um, nothing's going right really for him. Um, he goes to all these all these meetings, uh, trying to figure out like a path in life. Um, just basically, the modern man, you know, just doesn't he lives the same over and over again every single day and then he, he meets Tyler Durden played by Brad Pitt who almost one they share the same views but he almost has a different take on life as in he's quite outlandish he's quite out loud um, and he's a he's a salesman and they they begin a real tight bond friendship you know like a brotherhood and one night that uh, the night they meet they go to a bar and um once again, with with Tyler Durden, he's the same. He he kind of hates life at the moment. And he's got a lot of built up frustration. Same with Ed Norton, and uh, they they try and uh, release this by in a way of fighting. And they go outside the bar, and Tyler's like, "Punch me, hit me!" And Ed was like, um, "He's like, no, I'm not gonna hit you." He's like, "Hit me!" So he punches him, and he he realizes it feels good. That's, they just start. They just start randomly fighting, and then you see over the course of I don't know if it's weeks, days, whatever, you see them meet out outside this bar, and they just start fighting, and then more guys uh, show up, and they're like, they hate life, you know, and they they have this bit of frustration, and more guys get involved, more guys get involved, until it's this full-on event almost, and then the uh, the bar staff, uh, he's also frustrated and he's like yeah we'll, we'll do it we'll we'll create it and we'll do it um our our base is going to be underneath the bar so they meet up these guys meet up and Tyler then uh, they start to fall out him and and the narrator because T Tyler brings in these um basically these people want to join the, the fight club 
and Tyler almost turns it into a, into a cult. And uh, there's certain things you got to do to join the Fight Club. Um, you got you got to shave your head, and they they carry out like um, bombings and stuff around the city, thinking they're doing good. And Ed was Edward Norton's just like, "What the hell are you doing?" And it's revealed at the end that. Uh, obviously spoilers you know the narrator is suffering from dissociative I don't even know how to say it dissociative disorder identity disorder he and Tyler Durden are the same person and the person that's been uh, it's in fact that he's been acting alone um, that it's quite a funny scene because it's quite a funny scene to see someone beat themselves up because when obviously when he's punching Tyler he's punching nothing and when he's being punched he's punching himself and stuff and he was the one who, who orchestrated all these bombings and and whatnot and he started the cult and it's revealed that he went around the country and started other fight clubs that's how because he uh, there's, a, there's a weird bit where they're in the, they're in another city and these these other guys who are obviously sort of like um, in a trance they noticed um, Edward Norton's character and they like give him like the you know the sup you know the little head tilt and he's like how the hell does this work and then yeah it's revealed at the end that uh, Tyler is just Ed- Edward he's in his he's in his head and it's, it's odd because it's like a it's a chase scene because Tyler starts beating up Edward Norton but he's, he's beating himself it's so weird and he's, he's almost running from a figment of his own imagination and at the end he just he gives in and uh, there's at the end, the, the the cult orchestrates all these bombings of the the banks around because they they view banks as as and capitalism as a very evil force, and he just basically gives in then. And you see at the end, him and um, uh, Helen Bond and Carter, who is the the love interest, they just hold hands and the film ends. Um, Where was my mind? I believe it's by the Pixies, isn't it? Um, that starts playing and all, all the you see them hold hands and all the banks to start crumbling and yeah it's once again it's something totally left field um it really did shock me generally and like i said if, if you i know like with you obviously you've never seen the film but even though you know the ending it still is a brilliant film it's, it's meatloaf's in it mate meatloaf my guy <laughs> isn't it he's yeah, part of the cult yeah. and he actually has tits he has tits in it all right okay. he, he goes to these he goes to this uh, meeting this men's meeting where they get their they get their demons out, and he reveals that he's he's got an estrogen right, okay, rise, and he's got right. actual tits. But <laughs> if that doesn't get you to watch the film, I don't know what will. But yeah, no, brilliant film. Okay, and it's re- there's a reason why it's considered one of the best yeah. films ever made because it, it really is. It's on my list. I mean, yeah. it's. I mean, it is. It's it's a yeah. it's a very it's a very manly film because it's about men who don't feel like they've got anywhere, any place in the world, you know, and they they go and they get their frustration out by fighting but yeah it's a brilliant film and if you haven't watched it you should watch it so yeah good I will do at mm. some point nice okay next one is American Psycho which yeah. is a 2000 film directed by Mary Harron and the plot to this is Patrick Bateman played by Christian Bale he's a wealthy entitled businessman in, in the 1980s which is the uh, decade of excess don't um, they call them yupp- is it yuppies yeah, new, yeah it's in New York City um, and he leads a double life as a serial killer. So, yeah, it's it's a really strange film, and it's got a real s- odd ending to it. 
It's one of those ones though where <clears throat> even though you revealed the plot, yeah. uh, the plot twist, you still don't know yeah. the full story, do you? Because what you've got is he, I think he first kills a homeless man and his dog. Yeah. But then there's other things that happen in the film that make you wonder whether, you know, because he's like, he goes to the ATM, doesn't he? And it asks him to feed it cats. Which yeah. he does. And then he picks up like a prostitute um, and then a, a, an escort and he kills them. He kills a guy called Paul Allen, another, yeah. an associate of his. And kind of takes over his apartment and uses that and stores some of his. Because what he does is he chops up the bodies. Doesn't he say that Paul Allen's going to London? Doesn't but, he? Um, yeah, he's he's having dinner with his girlfriend, or, or, or somebody says that. Oh, Paul's Paul's moved to London. He's got mm. a job out there. And I had dinner with him, you know, like two weeks ago. Yeah. So you kind of think, well, it's, and once there's there's odd bits as well yeah. where he's like in a bar. And he literally just calls the barmaid. You, he goes like, "You stupid fucking bitch," yeah. and she doesn't react to it. So no. you're like, is, "Did he actually say that or not?" You know? Yeah. Because there's a scene where he's, he's running down a hallway with a chainsaw, chainsaw. Yeah. chasing this this woman in an apartment building. Like people are going to hear that, aren't they? And she runs down the stairs, and he drops the chainsaw down the stairwell <laughs> yeah. uh, onto her, killing her. And then the bit at the end is where he's actually um, he has a shootout with the police. He just goes on a killing spree, doesn't he? And you he? think that surely they're going to be, you know, then he gets back to his office and nothing happens. No. You think surely something would have happened. Yeah, that's right, because he goes to his office building and he's cowered in yeah. his office. The police are looking for him. He's, he's crying because he thinks it, you know, it's over for him, isn't yeah. it? You know, And nothing nothing happened. You're just expecting the police to raid his yeah. office building any second. Nothing happens. Um, but like I say, in, in the final scene, um, he learns that many of his victims are supposedly still alive, so he may have imagined everything. Because yeah. he goes back to Paul's apartment, and there's a realtor there, and they're repainting it. Yeah. And he's supposedly hidden body parts in this cupboard, and he goes to it, and it's okay. empty. So you're kind of thinking, well, is that is that happening in his mind? And then he's at a party, and this guy comes up to him, calls him by a different name. Yeah. And then he's talking about Paul, and he's saying, "Well, yeah, you know, I saw Paul in London, like you know, last week or something." So then there's still, I mean, this is still hotly debated about how much of that yeah. is real and how how much was imagined. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a like I said, I've only recently seen this film, and it is a really good film. It is very really good, yeah. Um, and Bale, as always, gives a great performance. I yeah, think, I think I've got to say that he's now. Probably one of my favourite actors. I've, yeah, I think he's, he's, he's a world class, world class actor, isn't he? Um, and very much a chameleon because everything yeah. now. Um, you know what? This this film is actually it's a it's a comedy. It's yeah, funny, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's he's a psycho. He's he's a supposedly serial killer. But there is yeah. It's, it, it is a there are funny elements to it as well. Every time he kills, like when he kills Paul Allen, he puts on um, uh, Huey Lewis, doesn't yeah, he? He's yeah. like joke like Huey Lewis. Yeah, because that's the thing, because music features heavily, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Because he, he likes music, and he talks about music constantly to people as well. But yeah, it is It is a great film. It's brilliant. And it's, it's worth watching. Again, get to the end, and you'll be as confused as everybody yeah. else about it. It's one of those that it's not like... Like you say, wrapped up in a nice, neat little no. bow, and you, you just you come away thinking, "Well, I don't know what that whole thing." Yeah, like I said, you 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 know was you know just as much before the plot as yeah. you do after the plot twist. You know, it's just, it, it, but it's it's an absolute brilliant film. I'm glad it, it's actually got somewhat of a, of a resurgence yeah. now. You know, um, yeah. 
it's actually I'm glad nowadays it's actually been uh, seen as the great as the great film it yeah. is because it really is a brilliant film and it's a really once again it's he may have a he just may have some sort mm-hmm. of um, mental problem yeah. you know and it delves deep into that but it doesn't tell you that doesn't tell you a clear answer it leaves yeah. you wanting more but yes yeah, brilliant film and believe it or not there's actually a American Psycho 2 <laughs> Joe who it's, who it's starring no. Mila Kunis well, okay. it was made in like 2002 I did not know that it, it's I've never seen it but I've seen I've seen parts of it and it is terrible because it was meant to be it was meant to be a film about a killer girl yeah. but then they just they decide no um, we're going to get the rights to American Psycho we're going to slap it on it so it's not even an American Psycho film so but yeah, yeah. if you want to want to give yourself depression watch that so, <laughs> <laughs> so our next one is uh, the first uh, of Christopher Nolan which will please you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Memento, which I think was his, was that his first film? Uh, it was his, uh, it was his first American film. Right. It was his second film overall, though. Okay, so the plot is Leonard Shelby, um, played by Guy Pearce. Guy Pearce, that's him. Yeah, suffers from anterior grade amnesia, which means he's got short-term memory yeah, loss. Yeah, he just he can't he make can. new memories. Yeah. yeah. Um, following a home invasion that left his wife dead now he searches for his wife's murderer with clues he leaves himself with tattoos notes and photographs so it's, it's yeah I remember seeing this um, his body's covered with tattoos so whenever he finds a new clue he has it tattooed yeah. on him so like, really important information yeah. he has it tattooed on him um, uh, and the twist is do you want to do you wanna, yeah do you the, the, t- the twist is um, so basically the whole film is him um either backtracking or trying to trying to find out tried to kill his wife um, we've seen like snippets of it throughout the film in flashbacks um, you see his wife being attacked you don't actually see who's attacking her though it's just, it's just some sort of some some guy you don't see who it is and uh, from the attack he uh, he has a really bad in- head injury can't make new memories so he can remember every- he can remember everything pre the attack but um, like there's a scene with um, uh, I forgot what's her name, Ke- Kerry Ann Moss, yeah, and uh, he meets her because she says she's got some information, and as she's telling him this information, uh, there's almost a little twist there because it turns out that she actually despises him and she's playing him for for a fool, and uh, she she calls him every name under the sun, and literally as she's doing this, he's already forgotten it because he just. Uh, what he has to do every bit of information he learns like you said he writes it down you know so he can look back on it and there's scenes where he's, he's like oh okay what, what, what's happening what's happening like um, and then he discovers that he's like okay that's that's what's happening but um, uh, throughout the film there's uh, his partner or so we think because that's what he says and his partner's played by uh, I'm going to try and get this right Joe Pantoliano um, he's <laughs> he's been helping him out this whole time, but you never really know the identity of him. He's just he suddenly comes into his life, um, and it it's odd because there's things that are written down to, to suggest that he murdered his wife, and it it, it um, it's set in this location, the the ending, and it's obviously this fight scene and whatnot, and he. Uh, it's quite tragic, really, because 
he learns that obviously um, Joe tell, Joe whatever his name is tells him the truth and stuff but by the time he's told him he's forgotten it and he's still in the mind that he killed he killed her so he ends up killing him and he just walks away and it's just it's tragic because he he is essentially he kill he kills his wife yeah right yeah. so he's kind of like he's a murderer yeah but he doesn't know he's it's, he doesn't know it you know yeah yeah. And it, the film ends, and once again, it, yeah. we, we're sucker for those films where they just end in in tragedy, don't they? Yeah, because the thing is, if you got amnesia, then you know you you don't know who you can trust. Mm. People could come up to you and just a stranger yeah. and say, "I know you. I'm a friend with you. I've got this information." Um, and like you say, that that's why he, the most pertinent stuff he, he tattoos. But yeah, it's it's there's always there's always that. You always questioning that, you and second guessing people. Because Nolan puts in, he does put in that that uh, <laughs> he was his partner, but obviously he wouldn't know that. And yeah, it's just it's it's the thing. I think Memento is one of those films you should just go and watch. Like we could sit here trying to describe it for hours, but um, yeah, just watch it for yourself um, uh, and take away what you. I've seen from the oh, film, you know, um, yeah. for yourself, because it really is. It's one of the most co- complex films of all time. But when when Nolan gets it right, this is when he gets it right because it's really good. Yeah. Isn't it? So, yeah, brilliant film, and and just once again another film that doesn't have a happy ending. So if you're expecting yeah. that, then you'll be disappointed. But okay, great. So next one is another M Night Shyamalan. You'll have to take the reins so, of this. Yeah, I've seen yeah. It. Uh, it's the Village from 2004. So. The plot is that the, the townspeople in the secluded 19th century village of Covington fear monsters who roam the surrounding forests, which they call those we don't speak of. When one of the villagers is stabbed, Chief Elder uh, Edward Walker, played by William Hurt, he allows his blind daughter Ivy, played by Bryce Dallas Howard, to travel through the forest to seek medicine. Um, yeah, so it, it's like this, this, you know, it's a 19th century village... Um, there's these kind of evil things in the woods, so that's a warning to people not to go out into the forests alone and um, not to go too far from the village. And so, one of the guys gets stabbed. He needs urgent um, antibiotics, I think. And so, um, against the wishes of the rest of the elders, he allows his daughter to go through the forest to seek medicine. Um, and she she gets to this wall and she climbs over it onto the other side and you see a road mm. and this ranger's car pulls up this this isn't supposed to be the 19th century yeah 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 and the twist is that they're actually in modern times oh wow <laughs> um, and he takes her to the ranger station he gives her the medicine and he actually takes her back to the where where he got where he picked her up and she goes back and he doesn't say anything um, and it turns out that um, Covington exists, like I say, in modern times. It was founded by a group of people attempting to escape their suffering in the outside world. So each of the elders, they all had some, um, like one of them, like I think, lost a child in a car accident, and so they've all had some sort of personal tragedy so it's due in their to, life. To modernism, and yeah. stuff, Yeah. So they, they, um, they decide to build this kind of this idyllic village mm. and really go back to when times were better maybe and it turns out that 
the chief elder Edward Walker, he actually uses his uh, family's wealth to build this village, and it's actually it's designated as like a nature preserve, and they they actually pay for the rangers to patrol to stop people getting in. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Even to the point of rerouting air traffic, so no airplanes oh, wow. fly over yeah. as well. Um, and the the the, the the sort of monsters in the woods are actually um, the elders themselves uh, dressed up, and that's to discourage villagers from going into the woods and discovering, you know, the world beyond. Mm. So it's quite it's quite a good film, um, and it is a, a really good twist to it. And I think it's a really good twist. Mm. Yeah. Um, again, one of the, one of Shyamalan's, I think, better films. When he gets it there, uh, when he gets it right, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. I'd, I need to definitely watch it. Yeah, it's like worth. Yeah. It reminds me. It reminds me a bit of um, like the like Maze Runner almost. If if that's for more my modern my modern yeah younger audience, mm. it sounds a bit like that. But no, I definitely have to watch it. Yeah, it sounds really good. So moving on to another Christopher Nolan film, um, and that's the 2006 The Prestige again. I'm embarrassed to say I've not seen this film. It is on my list, mm. probably somewhere around the Fight Club. <laughs> <as well. laughs> uh, but the um, the plot is that rival magicians Robert Angier is who plays him. Uh, that is uh, that's uh, played by Hugh Jackman and Alfred Borden, who is Christian Bale. They're rival magicians that try to outdo each other in a quest for the perfect illusion. Yeah. And it's, I believe, set in 19th century London. Yeah. So I'll let you take this because you've seen it and I yeah. haven't. Right. So, like, like we've just established that it's um, Robert Angier. He's you know that sort of stereotypical English Vic, uh, Victorian time uh, magician. Um, and then Robert Angier, obviously, London at the time was was the place where all the best magicians go. Robert Angier is he's a an uh, American uh, magician. And they originally were worked together. They were they were friends, and uh, one of their bigger uh, shows was uh, Robert's wife. Um, she it's it's like a um, escape uh, show, and she's put in uh, in water in this. Um, case full of water, and uh, what happens? What happens is Robert. He, you know, he calls out to the audience for someone to uh, see if it's fake or not. And he's obviously Alfred's in on it, isn't he? And he calls out Alfred. Alfred comes up to the to the uh, stage, and he tie he ties uh, her up basically. And uh, obviously she gets in the water, the tank full of water, and it's like this escape um, trick. And it turns out that the uh, it was straight in. It was um, Robert Alfred wanted to do because he's basically Ro- Alfred is basically the more gifted magician. He was like, I want, I want to try this, you know, um, different type of knot, which is apparently harder to do and Robert's like no just stick with it and he's like no I want to do it and Robert's like no stick with it Self was like okay and then Alfred ends up doing it anyway and this causes Robert's wife to she can't get out can't get out of her restraints and she ends up drowning Robert thinks that he Alfred did it on purpose 
and basically that's where their rivalry begins and then yeah the whole film was just them going back and forth doing different tricks trying to one up each other and um, even to go as far as to try and uh, basically destroy their image and they go they go to each other's shows trying to ruin them and uh, the twist is that that uh, Alfred Borden uh, so basically the, the, the trick uh, Alfred Borden learns uh, this trick called the prestige and basically obviously prestige means the best trick and uh, it's teleportation and he goes in one there's, so there's two doors um, on the stage he goes into one door and then a second later he comes out the other door and Robert's like how does he do this he, he, he just can't and Alfred's getting all the praise all the people are watching Alfred Robert's like how how is he doing this he just can't can't get it right or he, he doesn't know how he, how he can do this so what happens is he goes his, this is odd but he goes back to America and he meets up with Nikola Tesla played by Joey's Playboy as you do obviously. yeah Joey's Playboy <laughs> no. David Bowie is he? yeah David Bowie plays Nikola Tesla oh. it's very, it's actually very good um, credit for him he's, he's really good in the middle of the film and he's like I want you to build me a teleportation device and it turns out that actually works because uh, obviously uh, Robert thinks that there's some um, magic around Alfred like how can he he teleport and uh, yeah he's like he, he ends up build, Tesla ends up building this this teleportation device that actually works and uh, I say works but that's, that's part of the plot um, and all it, all it is is that uh, he's got a Body double that looks exactly like him. Uh, it's it's a bit like it's a bit reaching because it's obviously Hugh Jackman and this guy uh, he's he's a drunk and he's he's obviously English but yeah. this this body double looks exactly like Hugh Jackman. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. a bit like because uh, yeah. obviously it's Hugh Jackman but you can look past it and he all the trick is is that there's no magic behind Robert. It's not an actual teleportation no. device. He dro- he basically drops from the from the stage, and then uh, up in the rafters, his body double appears. Yeah, you know. Um, and at the end, uh, Alfred comes up on stage, and he's one of the guys to check around the yeah the machine. Obviously, uh, Robert doesn't know he's there because he he would tell him yeah. to go away. And he goes underneath because he wants to check how. Because now Robert's the one getting all the praise for it. Because right, yeah. he's just more of a spectacle. And Alfred's like, "How does he do this? You know, how can he do this?" And uh, what happens is he falls into this. Uh, how he does it is, is obviously um, one of them falls down into it from a trap door yeah. and escape. That's how they get away. And then the other one is obviously the body double yeah. appears. And it turns out that he's fallen into a tank that was placed under the same tank with yeah. water, placed underneath the, the trap door. And he's there going, get me out, help, get me out. And uh, he ends up dying. But then it's revealed, this is the twist, finally we got to the twist. Uh, Alfred Borden is actually a twin brother. Right. So there's no magic behind it. So he goes in one door and his twin brother comes out the other door. Yeah. Um, and it's how they pulled off a lot of their 
tricks yeah. and uh, Angier copied his tricks by cloning himself with the help of Nikola Tesla killing his clones after each trick because um, you see like loads of top hats at the beginning you're like where are these top hats coming from and uh, obviously it's, it's all his clones but it turns out does that does it clone the clothes as well then yeah it does yeah yeah it does because it's like surely you're just dressing the same top hat and <laughs> yeah, the clothes yeah, clones <laughs> but uh, one of the, the the guy that actually died in the yeah. tank wasn't Robert it was one of the clones oh right and uh, yeah um, I can't quite remember the details but Robert's near death and he needs help and then um, Alfred comes up to him and he explains how how he did all this this stuff that he's the twin and stuff and he just leaves him for dead basically but yeah it's a brilliant film and once again I'm there trying to explain it but I just watched the film because it's brilliant yeah it's really complicated that's why I'm, I'm oh, struggling yeah. a bit to try and <laughs> you know because yeah. I don't want to give away all the details no. but the plot is once again left filled um and it's a bit you got to look past the, the whole teleportation thing you know because uh, there is it sets itself up as being genuine you know but there is teleportation obviously it's impossible but and cloning and, and whatnot. but if you can look past that it's an absolute brilliant thriller and it just just I remember once the film ended my jaw just dropped because I was just like I can't believe this is I just didn't see it happening so yeah, yeah. You should, you should definitely get around to watching it, yeah. yeah. All, right. All right, so the next film is Gone Baby Gone, which is a 2007 film directed by Ben Affleck. And it is quite a depressing film, because you know what it is, because Casey yeah, Affleck's Casey in it. Affleck's in it yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it's set in Boston, two private detectives, which Casey Affleck and his girlfriend search for a missing girl believed to be kidnapped by a drug, local drug lord. Um, and the, the twist at the end is that the kidnap kidnapping was faked uh, the missing girl Amanda was living with a local police captain played by Morgan Freeman whose own daughter died years earlier so um, what happens is after a, I think it's a TV appeal by the mother that's when Casey Affleck and his girlfriend get involved and they um, obviously they're private investigators they have connections in the community mm. that maybe uh, wouldn't talk to police but would maybe talk to them and they find out that the the mother, the girl's mother, um, Amanda, uh, is actually and their boyfriend Ray. They're drug addicts, and they're acting as drug mules for a local Haitian drug lord named Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually stole hundred thirty thousand dollars from him. So mm. they think that it's that he's kidnapped Amanda for, to get the money back. And when um, when Patrick, that's that's Casey Affleck's character, he actually meets with Cheese, and Cheese denies any knowledge of of the kidnapping. Um, and then obviously the film progresses, and they they then find you know the clues that lead them to to Morgan Freeman. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's quite. Um, cause what happens is there's this kind of Cheese contacts him, and um, they agree to to set up a, a swap yeah. in this quarry and it all goes wrong because it's actually they've been set up and yeah they? yeah because they can start getting shot at don't <laughs> yeah. they yeah and they they think that uh amanda's drowned in the uh in the quarry's pond mm. 
because uh, they retrieve her doll from the water um, and then uh, I think after that Morgan Freeman is captain of the police department yeah. he, he goes into early retirement over the whole thing and then right at the end of the film um, they turn up at his house and they, they find that Amanda's there and that his daughter died years earlier and he, yeah he orchestrated the whole thing that he was fake determined that she's probably better off living with them than with her drug and this is the thing meal. even though uh, he, the captain he's doing the right thing isn't he by because by, he's like she can't live with yeah the, you know the drug drug addict mother uh, Case Affleck's character he does have that decision to make whether yeah. he rings the police because he's like yeah. it's not your choice to make isn't yeah, it well, she's, she's going to go knowing that she's going to get returned mm. back to her in, into that situation um, oh is she better off with this this couple and I think I've, for the most part it ends quite decent because yeah. she's like cleared up her, uh, she's cleared up she's cleaning stuff and he actually babysits her doesn't he yeah. so but you know once again it was, it was one that you don't you came out of left field completely yeah. didn't it you know you didn't see that happening at no. all yeah, but so no, it's a really good film. Yeah, it's worth. Again, it's a bit depressing. It is, yeah. Like, <laughs> I just like you yeah. said, it comes with Case Affleck, yeah. but uh, so we're going to our penultimate one now, yeah. which is another film that I've not seen, Shutter Island, which is a 2010 by uh, Martin Scorsese. Um, again, it's on my list. It's probably between Fight Club and The Prestige. <laughs> <laughs> so the plot is U.S. Marshal Teddy Daniels, uh, played by Leonardo DiCaprio which seems to be Scorsese's go-to at the moment, um, attempts to track down escaped mental patient Rachel Sol- Solando, who's responsible for the murder of her three children. So, I don't know if you want to do this. Cause oh, I'll do, I'll do a quick it. overview. Yeah. So, um, Teddy Daniels and his partner, played by Mark Ruffalo, they get sent to this um, like mental asylum. Uh, and it's like on an island, so they have to take a, a boat over and as they're investigating, uh, they go into her uh, Rachel's room, and they're like, "There's no way she could have escaped. There's no sign of anyone living here. There's no way she physically could have escaped. Like um, the bars are on the wall, all intact. There's no um, holes in the wall. There's no Shawshank with a post or whatnot, you know. And like, how did she escape? And they're looking for this, and it shows flashbacks of Teddy's." Uh, previous life and, and whatnot and uh, uh, it's, it's quite a sad film because uh, it's revealed at the end while they're trying to look for Rachel it's uh, Mark Ruffalo this whole time even though he's, he's Teddy's partner he is actually uh, Daniels is actually Andrew Ladis incarcerated at the mental hospital for murdering his wife Rachel after she killed their three children the search for Rachel is a game concocted to shake him from his insanity and um, Mark Ruffalo's character is actually his doctor, and obviously Teddy Andrew Ladis is uh, his patient. And um, uh, at the end, it shows the flashback of Teddy. Uh, the reason why Teddy murdered his wife was because Rachel killed their kids. So it's a really tragic ending. She Rachel drowns um, drowns Teddy's kids in in. Uh, this lake at the back back doorstep of the house Teddy comes home he's like in hysterics and yeah he kills her due to that but it's a really 
tragic film and it's just the whole film is played played out like it's, it's going to be another uh, police investigation film but no it, it completely flips once again flips on its head and yeah it certainly was it's one of I, I can't recommend the film more this is an absolute brilliant film and it's just goes to show how great Martin Scorsese is as a writer uh, director you know well, yeah. I'm definitely going to watch that because it does sound although you've spoiled it for me now <laughs> spoiled the ending <laughs> the twist but yeah it's, it's, it sounds like a really it's good a brilliant film. film yeah so yeah right so this is our last one I think this is probably we what we probably consider the greatest plot twist in yeah. cinema history oh yeah Star Wars episode 5 The Empire Strikes Back uh, 1980 directed by Irving Kirshner so, for those people who haven't seen it, the plot is basically um, Rebel Alliance. There, they have a secret base on the planet of Hoth. The Empire sending probes all over the place. One lands on Hoth. Uh, the the rebels are discovered. So that the Empire attacks, um, and then the rebels are try to escape. Um, Luke uh, travels to Dagobah. And trains to become a Jedi Knight under the watchful eye of Master Yoda. Whereas um, Han Solo and Princess Leia and Chewie and R2D2 and C3PO they they escape in the Millennium Falcon, mm. um, and after being chased through a, um, a an asteroid field and and other things, they they make it to Beastman, which is Cloud City. Um, an old friend of uh, Hans, um, Lando Calrissian, who he actually won the Millennium Falcon from. Yeah. So they hide out there. Um, they realise that Darth Vader's got there before them, and that this Lando's cut a deal to hand Han over to Boba uh, uh, Fett because obviously he's still wanted by Jabba. Um, hands frozen in carbonite. So obviously all these things that you know everything that it's a very that tragic could, yeah, film, really, isn't it? Everything that could go wrong goes wrong. Yeah. Um, Luke abandons his train to save his friends from Vader. Travels to Cloud City. He arrives and engages Vader in a lightsaber duel over the city's central air shaft. Vader overwhelms Luke, severing his right hand, separating from his light lightsaber. Then. Um, Luke climbs out onto this um, sort of platform, I guess, over the air shaft, and this is the the greatest uh, reveal I think in film history. We're actually going to play it out for you. Yeah, here, so, so. If you know any casting agents <laughs> listening, right, we are available. So, do you want to start? All right, action! There is no escape. Don't make me destroy you, Luke. You do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you. <laughs> if you only knew the power of the dark side. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. <laughs> no. I am your father. <laughs> no. No. That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. No. No.
this is where Luke then falls down the air shaft and yeah. um, into like a little uh, another uh, shaft coming off of that. Yeah, and ends up outside, and then he uses his for um, the force to communicate with Leia. Communicate with Leia, who obviously is his sister, mm. um, and then they they the the Millennium Falcon pick him up and they go off. So it is, yeah, it's left on kind of a cliffhanger of an ending. Um, like I think Lucas said it, it's, it's like the second act of a three-act play. Mm. You know, first act is to introduce the characters, second act is to kind of put them into the most, the worst situation yeah. you could get. And then the third act is where everything kind of comes good and, you know, everything's kind of wrapped up. But yeah, it, it is. Um, oh yeah, it's most iconic. I don't think you can understand now how big it was. Yeah. That I mean, it was such a close guarded secret that I believe there's so much lore around the actual, you know, the film itself and the making of. But from what I understood, that there's only sort of a handful of people knew the real. Yeah, I, f- I think it was in the script. It said Obi Wan killed your father. Yes, yeah. and, and that's what the, the words that Dave Prowse spoke, and that's what um, Mark Hamill was reacting to. I believe just before the scene was filmed that Irving Kirshner took him to one side and said, actually, the line's going to be, um, I am your father. Mm. I think it was him, um, Gary Kurtz, who was a producer, and George Lucas. Were the only people who knew it, yeah. Knew. And he's like, if you if it gets out, we'll know yeah, you do. Yeah, because they were worried about leaks. Obviously, um, a big thing. This was before the internet, so yeah. there's no spoilers getting handed out on the internet. And yeah. Because I think Dave Prowse had been accused of leaking yeah. information to the press and talking to the press, um, so yeah, it was it was it was a huge. Because back then as well, it's like um, distribution films would be released in different dates in different territories, so you could have like six months between a film being released in the US and, and being released in the UK. So obviously there is going to be some element of spoil, yeah. but like like. Uh, Chio said you didn't have the internet so there wasn't really any way of spoiling it no no 100% yeah. and uh, it's, it's crazy because um, Lucas literally just he wanted to add a bit more spice to the movie he just added it in yeah. it wasn't he didn't plan on making Vader his his um, Luke's yeah. father he's just like I'm going to add I'm going to add this this in and it's crazy as well because there's a little it, it it almost sounds like he did plan, but he even come out he said he didn't plan. Yeah. And it's odd because Darth Vader, Vader is father in Dutch. Yeah. 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 So it's just a little time, but yeah, yeah he, he did. He literally he just wanted to. Um, people think that Star Wars has been meticulously planned, but he just wanted to add something into it to make it, give it a bit yeah. more stakes. And it's it's ended up being the most iconic plot twist in movie history where everyone knows even if you if you yeah. even if you're not a Star Wars fan, even if you're not a, a yeah. movie fan, everyone knows the No I'm it's, Your Father. It's often misquoted as yeah. Luke I'm your father, but yeah, it's No I am your father. Um But yeah no, so iconic and yeah. literally I, I, I just we, we obviously we had the we had the the, the absolute life changing experience of seeing it in the cinema, but I wish I was back in nineteen eighty yeah. watching it in the cinema for the first time. Well, not not first time. I mean, I saw first film I saw was Return of the Jedi in the cinema. Yeah. So I would I would have seen Empire on the TV, 
So I wish I wish I'd seen it first in yeah, cinema in nineteen eighty. You know, it would have been unbelievable. Yeah. But still, it's just I love because um, there's loads of videos of people watching Star Wars for the first time, and they just they're blown away by it because they just yeah. don't see it coming, and you really don't. And yeah, it's just I just I can't believe it that that Lucas didn't plan it. He just wanted yeah. to throw it in, and then that's caught, kind of branched off, and that's what the whole story of Star Wars is about is yeah. between. Vader and Luke, you know. Well, yeah, Return of the Jedi. It's all about well, the whole saga is, you know, um Anakin becoming Darth Vader mm. and then eventually being redeemed in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, because really, really that Return of the Jedi <laughs> branches off from Empire. Yeah. It's about their um their relationship, yeah. isn't it? And about um obviously Anakin's um, redemption, you know. Yeah. So he must have written the story after yeah. uh, after this, and he's not planned it out, you know. But yeah, it's just so iconic. Everyone knows it, and yeah. you know we could talk about Star Wars <laughs> ages, can't we? Obviously, yeah. you know we're, we're absolute nerds because we yeah. just played that out for you. But there's only way to do it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of that yeah, podcast. It's been very, very good, good one, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining me again. Mm, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us, and. Hope to see you again next week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. See you later.